All right. Are we ready? Wow. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. So lots of fluid build up. Okay. So, uh. What's he, what, what, where's his faith? Do we know? Okay. Okay. Get right. the fluid off, Get the right? fluid off, yeah. Okay. So good news, congestive heart failure. They catch it early enough, they can actually help it a lot. Um, but uh, it's not not wonderful report, but God can turn the report. And the other good news is Mitchell is a believer, so we can get the word into him. Um, did you get him a copy of the healing scriptures by chance at any point? Because we've been believing for a couple different things for him. We need to make sure we get a copy of that to him. So uh, let's, uh, let's do our confession. We'll pray, and then we'll get into the word tonight. Are we ready? I like that. That's pretty. Why was it? It was pretty. Used All to right. be. <laughs> All right, ready? All right. This, this is, is my Bible. Bible. It, it is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am the child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the Word. I cannot look at my husband and do that. That's, messes that's me messed up every up. time. You messed me up. Messed me up I was every right. Time. You were the one who did it wrong. <laughs> every time. <laughs> if you can't have fun in church, right? 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 Well, I, let's pray uh, for uh, Bridget. Did they fix me? Sounds like they might have fixed me. I'm still know. a little bit loud. You're just, we're going to pray. All right. <laughs> Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, Oh, we just love you and we honor you. Father, your word says that when we come before you with praise and thanksgiving and worship, that we enter into your presence. So, Father, we do praise you. Father, we thank you for everything that you've ever done, everything that you are doing, and everything that you will ever do. Father, we do praise you and we honor you and we glorify you. Father, we worship you for who you are, for you are the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Oh, Father God, you are the God who was and is and is to come. You are the Almighty God, full of power, might, and ability. In fact, you have all power, might, ability, and dominion. And, Father, we worship you, and we honor you, and we glorify you, and we magnify you. Father, we call upon your holy name. And, Father, we gather together in this house in a time of prayer, in a time of worship, in a time of fellowship to communicate with you. And, Father, because we're gathered together in prayer, 
Father, that means that you're right here in the midst of us, Amen. and we thank you for it. Satan, we bind you and every evil spirit that will come to hinder the receiving of the word. You will have no right upon this property. You have no right upon this in this building. You have no right to speak to the minds or the hearts of the people that are here or that hear this message online. You keep your mouth shut in Jesus' name. You will not come to steal, kill, or destroy the word immediately upon it being upon it being sowed you cannot steal it we demand that you return a sevenfold of everything that you have taken in times past because we now know you're the thief and father we give you honor and glory father we loose the powers of heaven we loose angelic assistance we loose wisdom revelation and knowledge from heaven father god and father we ask that you work upon our hearts to give our hearts and make our hearts cause our hearts to be the good ground that can receive the word sowed in season and on season in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, we bring our brother Mitchell before you. Father, we've been speaking to you about him for several months. We've been speaking to you about him, about his dietary situation. We've been speaking to you about his... Uh, about bone strength. We've been speaking to you about the proteins in his blood levels. And, Father, now they've come up with, we believe there's, there's a diagnosis of congestive heart failure. But, Father, by, the, by faith and by spirit, we lay our hands upon his heart, and we command his heart to function according, according to your original design. No failure in his heart in any way, shape, or form. Father, we pull down the miraculous power of God and we command his heart to function to the design that it was created to function to. Yes, Father, we know the bodies are, are decaying because of this world, but no believer needs to go out of here under sickness and disease. So, Father, we speak health and healing into Mitchell's body and we receive it by faith. We ask that you give the doctors and his wife and Mitchell supernatural wisdom and knowledge as to how to treat his body. We command the swelling, the excessive fluid to come to be to, to come off of his body in Jesus' name. For his lungs and his kidneys and every organ to function as they were created to function in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Well, we did get decorated for Christmas, and thank you for everybody that helped yesterday and today. And you may be wondering why the platform does not look like it normally does for Christmas. That is because the platform is getting ready to get a transformation. Uh, we have actually, I, I got to looking at all the garland, and I looked at my husband, and I said, you know, we really want that prayer rail. And I don't want to put garland up and have to turn around and take it down put, to put it back up on the prayer rail. So we got in here looking at it yesterday, and uh, we did all the measurements and looked at some stuff. Now, I want you to understand, this is, this, is how, this is the miraculousness of God. For months, I've been looking at spindles and, you know, the uprights. And ballards. And ballards. I've been looking at those for months and months and months and trying to figure out what to do and what to get and how to get it. And I told my husband, I said, honestly, the Lord told us clean, sleek, and elegant with accents of gold silver royal blood red royal red uh and blues and purples and i said honestly what i really want is i want gold or shiny brass uprods spindles ballards i said that's really what i want 
But I have looked and 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 could not find them. He even looked and could not find them, could not find them, could not find them. We found one company in India, and I was like, you know, I just, we just couldn't find them. So yesterday, we went and looked again, and you found three different companies. All of a sudden, we found three different companies that all had brass. One, Two were in America. One was in Canada. Not only do they have it, but they'll custom cut it to our size. They've got the fittings, and we couldn't find any of this just four months ago. That's part of what's been taking so long. Uh, but he found all of this stuff immediately. I mean, he had it figured out before he ever left the church last night. And then this morning he went back through on the computer and verified everything. And uh, so it's going to have these beautiful, so it'll be five foot up on the sides, basically from the window up. It'll be 10 foot on this side with a three foot gap, 14 on that side with a three foot gap. So, the, so that we will still be able to cut, you know, the, all, the, the platform will still be open, but yet you'll have your prayer rail. Um, and then the cap is a beautiful piece. It's a, it's a beautiful wood topper cap. Red oak. Uh, red oak uh, that will stain cherry, so it'll match. Um, but it'll be beautiful, and um, it's all going to be one piece. Uh, so that's going to take some extra for shipping. But when we looked at it being one piece versus multiple pieces, we well, said, no, it needs to be one piece. God one, gets one the best. One piece on this side, one piece on that right, side. Right, that's what I mean, one piece the on length. Either end, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but when you're shipping a 14-piece thing 14 of wood, foot, or 14-foot yeah. thing of wood, uh, that goes from you're not shipping UPS or FedEx, now you're shipping freight company. And that changes the shipping cost. Um, so that's why we're not completely done up here is because probably provided everything gets shipped. And they said they'd ship it like next day. So provided that everything gets shipped in a timely fashion, everything should be here by next week. We just have to stain it, screw everything into place, and it should be up before Christmas. So that's why it's not here. Um, and uh, so we're super excited that that's coming. Um, and that was not, listen, how much do you know finances are not a big thing for God? Finances are simple for God. Very, very simple for God. Well, Pastor, how much is that going to cost us? It's going to run us close to $2,500 for the railing. It's not a big deal. God can do that instantly. The other thing that's coming in the next week is our people in the sound booth will no longer have to be little hermits with nothing but eyeballs popping over the rail. Uh, we actually have uh, two tape, two 65-inch, 60, they're 63 long. 63-inch. 63-inch tables. Adjustable tables. Um, so so that they're electric, they raise and lower on their own. You just hit the button and they And they'll come up, and then they've got uh, five stools that the foot part is adjustable and the, the seat part is adjustable. So we'll actually be able to see the sound people. The sound people will be able to see us. It'll be wonderful. Um, they won't be standing for two-thirds of the service most of the time anymore. Um, how much you know? And we're able to do all of that because you're tithers and givers. Because you're tithers and givers. Um, so, well, Pastor, are you asking us to give extra because of that? No, the money's in the bank. The money is in the bank. Uh, plus... Um, the Christmas dinner, that's in the bank. All the bills are paid. Uh, we operate with zero debt. Uh, praise God. God's, God's miraculous. So I just wanted to share that with you. That's why you don't see poinsettias everywhere and the front's not all garland is because the rail that we've been believing for, for quite a while for is on its way. 
It's on its way. So we're super excited about that. And if you've ever come to the altar for prayer, you, you understand how important that rail is. You understand. If you ever come up here and you're like, oh, that's a way down. I wish we had a rail. It's coming. It's on the way. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, we're in uh, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians part 10, part 10. Uh, thank God it's not going to take us six months, but it is taking us a while. Um, and there's a lot in Galatians 5. Yep. There's I'm, a, I'm thinking two to three weeks just on this one chapter. Yeah. Not I a very big you, chapter. I guarantee you it's going to be a minimum of three weeks. Guarantee it. Uh, but Pastor Mike's going to kick us off here. And uh, just a reminder, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. The church at Galatia has uh, both Jews that grew up under the law that are now Christians following Christ and are no longer under the law. And it has Gentiles in that church, which were people outside of the covenant, um, Romans and Samaritans and all kinds of other people in this church. And what has happened is some law-following Jews have crept in and have been convincing this congregation in Galatia to go back under the law. And this is a problem that we still see today. I see people do this all the time. People will say, oh, and there's big advertisements, you know, you want to live healthy, you got to eat what Jesus ate, eat what was available in the Bible. Well, there's no talent, there's no, there's nothing wrong with eating healthy and making wise choices. But if you do that because you're trying to follow the law, then you're making the work of Christ of no effect. You want to follow the Sabbath? That's great. But if you follow the Sabbath because you want to fulfill the law, then you're making Jesus of no, of no effect. Why? Because Jesus is our Sabbath. Is it wise to take a day off, one day a week off and rest your body? Yeah. God told us that from the beginning. He said, take one day and rest. We should do that. But are we doing it because we're doing it because of the law or are we doing it because we're using the wisdom of God? Uh, you know, under the law, you wash your hands before you eat, and there was a and there's a very regimented way that you do it. Now we wash our hands before we eat because we know that it's a hygienic, healthy thing to do. Uh, we bless our food because God said when we came out of the Old Testament, where you could eat certain things and couldn't eat certain things, in the New Testament, the uh, Jesus, uh, <clears throat> remember um, Peter was given a vision, and. Uh, and uh, and God showed him, you can eat whatever you want. Anything that God made can't defile you as long as you receive it with sancti- as you, as long as you bless it and sanctify it, receive it with thanksgiving. So that's why we bless our food now. Jesus said, it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. You know. So there's certain. So so here, um, this church had people that were trying to get them to go back under the law, and. And Paul got wind of it, and Paul was not okay with it. Paul said, why are you listening to these foolish persuasions? Now, here's the other thing. And, and, well, how, do, how does that apply to us today? Okay, we don't follow the law. We get that. How much do you know the devil will try to get you to, to get under the old law that you used to work under? He tries to get you to work under the law of fear and doubt. He tries to get you to work under the law of worry. He tries to get you to work under the law of not enough poverty. He tries to get you under. He tries to get you to work under the law of here comes allergy season. I must get a sinus infection. You know. He tries to get you. 
So, so what does this apply to us today? Yes, because our enemy will try to get us to listen to him just like their enemy was trying to get them to listen to them. Listen, I refuse, ask Brianna, I refuse to have a conversation with the devil. Ask her. She'll tell you. See, because she's learning, and I'm not picking on her. Jackie will do the same thing. I've done the same thing to Derek. I've done the same thing to Zach. I do the same thing to my family. They'll start talking doubt and unbeliefs and what ifs, and I'll just look at it and I'll say, stop, I refuse to have this conversation. And they, and they take it personally. This first thing, it probably is. <laughs> probably was. Probably was. Uh, why? Because I'm not going to talk with the enemy. Well, what if God doesn't show up? Shut up, Satan. God always shows up. What if, the God, what if it doesn't work? Shut up. God said it'll work, so it'll work. I'm not getting on that roller coaster with you. I have learned to refuse to debate the enemy. And that's what Paul is telling these Galatians is why are you listening to these people? Why are you listening to these people? All right, I got you all set. Run. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, actually, actually, chapter 5 starts out with stand. There you go. Not run, right. but stand. Stand. But then it follows it up with stand fast. Well, you know, to me that makes perfect sense, but not to everyone. Because, you know, let's face it, stand and fast are two different words. And if you're standing, you're not moving very fast, right? Right. You're just standing there. So, how, so, you know, I can see how that might be confusing for some. But what stand fast means to hold fast. You're holding on and you're, be, you're, be, you're making yourself secure. So when it says, when the Bible says stand fast, it means to make yourself secure, unmovable. You're anchoring yourself to, the, to, to wherever you're at. And in this case, you're anchoring, anchoring yourself to the word of Jesus. And being in the military helps you to understand stand fast, too. Exactly. It's a, term, it's a term in the military they use if they want you to hold back the line of enemy that's coming. That means hold your position. Do not move. No matter what, hold fast. Hold the line. That's right. So it starts out in chapter 5, verse 1 It's a, in Galatians. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So, what's he made us free from? The law oh. of sin and death, right. right? So, so yeah. we're free the from Jewish that. The Jewish law, the so, law of sin and, and death, and yeah. the, the Jewish law. So, do, does that mean that we don't have to follow the laws anymore? No, doesn't mean that at all. No, because because also Jesus told us that we're to follow the laws of the land. Right. You know, and how can we? Be free from the laws of sin and death and the, and the, the Jewish laws and, and yet have to follow the laws of the land. He's not telling us that we don't have to follow the laws. Hmm. He's saying that we, that we are not condemned by the law. That's right. That's right. He's also telling us that we have the freedom of choice. That's the other thing he's telling us. He said, stand fast, therefore, in your liberty. Liberty means freedom. Another way that you can say this is uh, stand fast in your freedom. Uh, how much do you, and under the Jewish culture, they didn't have any freedom. They followed the Jewish law. The law said, this is what you do, this is what you do, and you have no choice. You have no, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You, you, the answer was, you're Jew, that's why you do it. When the kids said, why do I have to do this? Because you're Jew. That was the answer. 
There was no, there was no question about it. In the Roman culture, you know, you're part of the Roman culture. This is, you know, why do I have to have my schoolmaster with me? And tell, you know, I'm, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm a young adult. Why do I have to have my schoolmaster? Because that's the rule. There's no choices. No, when you come into Christ, everything is about your choice. You get to choose. Are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to follow sin? What are you going to choose? And that's where he said, stand, the fa- stand fast, therefore, in your freedom. And, and I just want to throw this in there because a lot of people hear a lot about liberals today. We're liberals. We have freedom. The liberal that they're talking about today is not the liberty of Christ. No, because the liberals today, they want everything for free, and they want everything handed to them. And and no responsibilities. Yeah, they want no responsibilities, and they they believe that it is their legal right to have everything completely free. Well, if you've lived any time on the earth, you'll figure out real fast everything's not free. By free, we not only mean it doesn't cost anything, but there's no consequence for your actions. Yeah, there's there's no consequence whatsoever for your actions. You can do whatever you want. And they love that. They love to tell you that until you go, well, well does that mean that I could kill you right now? And then and they there'd go, be well, no, no consequence. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. Well, that's what you're telling everyone. Right. You know, um, no, Christ said, you're free to do whatever you want. You want to rob a bank, rob a bank, but you're going to suffer the consequences. You want to serve Satan, serve Satan, because you're going to suffer the consequences. You want to you wanna follow pagan gods, follow pagan gods, but you're going to face the consequences. Or you can follow us free, follow me, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost freely, and you can have all the blessings, which are also consequences. They come automatically. That's what he's talking about right here. All right. So it goes on. It says, it says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Well, you know, the, the, as we said, the Jewish law was very strict and very hard, and they had, they had rules for everything. And it was, it was almost like they were being bound up in rules. You know, and, and, and if you go into reading and studying the rules from the Jewish law, you'll see that they had, they had very strict punishments for everything, too. You could, you could be stoned to death very, for, very for, easily. for almost nothing. You yeah. Know? Uh, it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know, it, uh, and stuff that in today's culture is considered okay, they would have killed you for. Yeah. Yeah, um, that bondage, he was talking about, you know, the strictness of the law. Have you ever tried to actually, in your mind, have you ever read Leviticus and tried to organize it out and tried to, okay, I can't do this, I can't do this. If I, if, if I, if I do this, then I have to do this offering and I have to do this sacrifice and I have to do, but halfway through Leviticus, your mind is much trying to understand it. Yeah, you really, you really would have to, I'm sure, they probably had some types of flow charts or some types of things to figure it out. That's why they would have to constantly go to the leaders, and the leaders would have to take counsel about how to handle different situations because the law was very complex, very, very complex. So one thing you have to remember right here is Paul's talking to Christians in the church. Yeah. And, and, some, and what's happened is that there's been some, some Jewish influence come into the church unawares, they 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 they're like um, they're like sheep in wolf wolves clothing. They came in trying or to wolves in sheep's clothing. I said it backwards, didn't I? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, they they came in trying to convince people that they needed to follow the Jewish law. You know that we're we're following a Jewish um, deity basically, 
you guys should be following the Jewish law. And they, were, and they were trying to get them all bound up in the law. And that's why it's saying, do not become entangled again. In the yoke of bondage. In, with the yoke of bondage. Don't, don't tie yourself back to that ox or that cart. Right. You know, uh, a yoke, you know, a lot of people don't understand yokes. A yoke is, is like a harness that you would tie a horse to or a mule or a goat or a, or a, a bull and, and use them to pull the plow and plow your fields. Or, if you or, had a double yoke, there were two of you. If you had a double yoke, like a double a, a yoke of oxen, that meant there were two oxen tied together. Well, if you become, if you, if Jesus has set you free from worry and you choose to worry, then you're getting yoked to the spirit of worry, and that spirit's going to lead you around. If you get yoked, if you choose, if Jesus sets you free from fear, if you get, if you are constantly not confronting fear and putting fear on the run, then you're going to become yoked to that fear, and that fear is going to control you. You can get yoked to sickness. You can get yoked to poverty. You can get yoked into wrong relationships. When you come into Christ, there's going to be some relationships that you need to get rid of because they're not good relationships for you. They're, they're dangerous relationships for you. And so because if, if, you know, your best friend or maybe even family members, if they're going wholeheartedly for Satan's kingdom, you can't be, you can't be around them because if you get yoked to them, they're going to pull you into that kingdom. And here's the lie of Satan. No, no, no. I can yoke because this is what many young Christians do. The many young Christians do this. And it doesn't matter how many scriptures we show you, you all go, Jesus, I'm stronger than that. When you face something, you're like, I'm so weak, I can't do anything. But when you want to hold on to that friend that's going after Satan, you're like, I'm stronger, I'm stronger, Jesus. I can yoke myself to that friend, and I can drag them kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. No, honey, you can't. They're going to they're going to pull you into their kingdom. They're going to pull you. Why? Because they're feeding your flesh and you're feeding your flesh trying to keep up with them. Come on. So the thing about a yoke is you don't have any control. That's right. If that farmer's pulling on your reins or one way or the other, you're going to go wherever he's pulling. So you you're you're bound to that. You you cannot deviate from it. This is the way you're going to go. You're going to do what he says. And then if you're yoked with another creature, like what Robbie was talking about, and that other creature is stronger than you, he's going to be the one controlling which direction y'all are going in. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you have unequally yoked partners, one, the stronger partner, is always going to be pulling in, in his or her direction. Right. This is why you, you stand fast in the things of Christ, and if your worldly people want to yoke themselves to you, that's fine. But what are you going to do? You're going to take them to church. You're, gonna, you're not going to go watch the R-rated movie. You're going to pull out the Christian movie. You're going to show the good example. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to pull out, you know, um, running bases, or you're going to pull out um, a war room, or you're going to pull out a case for Christ, or you're going you're gonna to sit down. They're going to be like, hey, let's sit down and play some cards. You're going to say, okay, but first let's pull out the Bible. Oh, we, we're, we're going to play poker. No, we're not going to play poker. We'll play rummy. Why? Because you're standing fast in your life of Christ. And if they want to come with you, that's fine. But, but that's a total, and that's what Jesus did. 
the, the church wants you to believe that Jesus went into the slums and the, and the, and the well, bars the church, the and world. the whorehouses. <laughs> they want you to believe that Jesus went into the places of the sinners and sat down with them and acted like the sinners, and that's how he attracted them. That is not how he attracted them. Jesus went to the synagogues, and when the synagogues were so full that the synagogues would no longer hold them, all the people, then he was out in the streets, or we were just talking about it, they came to his house. Go read it in Mark chapter 2. They came to Jesus' house. Uh, so, so, Jesus, so this is where this don't be yoked back into bondage is so important. All right. Okay. Y'all didn't know all that was in one verse, did you? Right. So well, I said there's, gonna there's take a lot of weeks. words there that could be misinterpreted. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, verse 2. Behold... I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Okay. I think we need to keep read a little bit, at least the next verse before we get into that. Let's read verse 3. Okay. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, does this mean that if, if, if I was circumcised as a child that, I, that Christ does me nothing? Doesn't mean that at I all. I mean, because that's what it sounded like. It sounds like, oh, you've been circumcised, you're, you're doomed. Yeah, look That's at verse 2. There's he no says, hope for you. You're, because, now, you've got to remember, this is Paul talking to a mixed church where he had some, some ex-Jews and he had, he had some uh, Gentiles. Gentiles, and they were mixed, and they're now Christians. And so all these Jews that were raised Jewish, they've been circumcised if they're males. Uh, yeah. At this point, if he said that to them, they should all get up and leave. There's no point. Look at how he said, he said, but I, Paul, this is Paul speaking. This is not Paul speaking by the Spirit. He said, I say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall prosper you nothing. Right about now, everybody in his church, everybody in Galatia that's, that's circumcised, misunderstanding what Paul says, they, all the men that are circumcised just got up and said, well, what's the point of being here? Christ doesn't do me any good. Is that what Paul is saying? But remember, no. you, you don't have to just worry about who he's talking to, but you also have to remember who's doing the talking. Right. Paul was Saul. He was the most devout of Jews. Okay. If that man wasn't circumcised, then the whole earth would have fallen in and swallowed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was, was circumcised. So if he's telling people that, hey, if you get circumcised, you're doomed, well, he yeah. can't be saying that because he's circumcised. That's right. That's why you got to take the whole scripture in context. So what he was saying is that, is that, if, that you have to put your faith in Christ not in the law, not in circumcision, which is part of the law. Right. And so if you're, if you're going out to get circumcised to fulfill the law, it's not going to do you any good. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that Christ isn't going to do you any good. He's saying that circumcision's not going to do you any good. Working it doesn't matter one way or the other if you are circumcised or not. It makes no difference to Christ. But if you're doing it to fulfill the law, that means you have to fulfill all the law and you're and, and nobody, none of the Jews ever could. Well, and, so. we, and we don't do the blood sacrifices, so, so you're really in trouble right. now. Even, even the Jewish rabbis don't do blood, uh, blood sacrifices right now. Look at verse 3. He says, For I testify again to every man that is, circus, that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to the whole law. Is he telling those Jews that have been circumcised, well, you've been circumcised, so now you have to stay with the law? No. He's saying if you go get circumcised, in order to fulfill the law, then you have to do the whole law. 
And as Pastor Mike was talking, the Lord gave me this example. My grandmother was raised Catholic. She, in her day, she was told that you couldn't read this. You, you're not allowed to read the Bible because you're not smart enough. I, I remember being a younger teenager, and my grandmother started reading the Bible for herself for the first time. And that was a big deal to her because she had always been taught that she, that she herself needed a pastor to teach her the Bible because she wasn't smart enough to, to read the word for herself. So that was a big deal to her. Um, but, she, but she raised her children and her grandchildren Episcopal. So there were some changes. But in her last years with, on this earth, she lived with us. And the closer she got to stepping over to eternity, the more and more concerned she got about communion. Because the church that we were in is just like us. We do it every four to six weeks, sometimes longer, sometimes less. It just, as the Spirit says, hey, it's time to do communion, we do it. So, uh, so she was very concerned about that. And here's why. Because in the Catholic church, especially in her day and her year, her age, they were taught that if you don't have communion, you don't get to go to heaven. They, they were taught that their salvation was in their communion. Well, if that was the case, then that would be a fulfilling of a law, and then she'd be liable for the whole law. So we had to sit down and we had to tell her, you know, Grandma, let's look at the Scriptures. And she, and, and, and she said, I see that. I see that I'm good with Christ. I see that I'm heaven-bound. But I just, I'm very uncomfortable not having communion. I said, We'll take, we'll, we'll get pastor to come to the house and give you communion, or we'll get you to church and have communion. And, and, uh, she said, oh, I think I would like that. Well, thank God for a pastor that hears from the Holy Ghost. We didn't have time to really get into that, but our pastor heard from the Holy Ghost and we went to church and he said, oh, we're doing communion. And we said, yay, we're doing communion. And so that settled her, but, but that thinking, that mindset was there the whole time. And so imagine these Jews who lived their entire life under the law, and now here's Christ, and now they don't have to do that. There are some things they're having to overcome. How much do you know, if you've worried all the days of your life, you have to, you have to unlearn being a warrior. Not a warrior, but a worrier. You know, if you've, if you've lived in fear all the days of your life, the idea of confronting fear and actually confronting it, that, that's, a, that's something you have to learn to overtake. He said, um, so, so there's a lot of little things that we can do, that we can have going on in our life that are like the law to us, that we have to go, mm, we're not doing that anymore. And see, that's, that's where the Jews were stuck in, in the traditions and laws, and like circumcision is, is a tradition and a law in their culture. Uh, baptism is a tradition and a law in, in some churches. You know, but, but baptism isn't what saves you. Christ is what yeah, saves you. Yeah, water baptism. Baptism into the living water, bapti the baptism of salvation, the, the receiving of Christ, that baptism saves you, but water baptism doesn't save no. you. No. So baptism in the Holy it, Ghost it, doesn't it, save you. It's just a tradition, but it's a good tradition. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that that's not what saves you. Well, it's, it's, it's a doctrine of Christ. It's not it's, the saving doctrine. It's different right. tradition. But well, yeah. and, 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 and as you were saying, the communion, you know, Jesus told us to have communion and do it in remembrance of him. So it's a good thing to do, yeah. but it's not what saves you. Yep. He said do it often. In fact, we tell you guys all the time, do it at home. 
Do it at home. What, have what, communion in your own home. What's going to save you is your faith in Jesus Christ. And you don't have to have unleavened bread. I told you you could do communion with an RC cola and a moon pie. You can. That might be good. You can. <laughs> what matters is you're taking the time to reverence God and remember the blood and remember him on the cross and what he obtained for you. That's the importance of that. But he's telling them, he said, listen, don't get under the law. What are we telling you? Come out of what you used to be under. You know, if, if you're, if, you know, if you were like me and, you know, one of your big things was profanity, you got to get that out of you. You can't just get it out of your mouth and out of your head. You got to get it out of your heart. See, you gotta get out of your heart. See, Satan's the accuser, and he likes to accuse people of, of messing up and doing the wrong thing. See, what, what the Jews were all into was all this bondage of these rules. Mm -hmm. they would, Satan would get on them, and he would say, oh, you've messed up this rule. You've messed up that rule. You're oh, doomed yeah. until you can get the, you know, get slaughter some goats and get and yourself all right with God. And, yeah. and it's, it's the same sort of thing with some of the traditions. You can, you, you know, and, okay, the part of the law... Is, is the Ten Commandments. Are we not supposed to follow the Ten Commandments? Yes, we are. But we're not to worry about it. Okay. We're not to get bound up in fear about it. We're not to, 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 to uh, listen to Satan when he accuses us. I just heard it in the spirit. Somebody in the room online, I don't know, somebody said, now wait a minute, you're sitting here telling me I'm not supposed to follow the law, but the Ten Commandments are part of the law, and you tell me I have to follow the Ten Commandments. Correct. You don't follow the law. What you follow is the two laws that Jesus gave us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with every part of you. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Number one, you've got to learn how to love yourself the way Jesus loves you. Number two, you've got to give God everything. It, and he, then he said, the, he said, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two. So if you'll love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then you'll love your neighbors, you love yourself, of course, of course, you'll love yourself like Christ. Then you're going to fulfill the law. Then Jesus, you're going to automatically fulfill that law. Because Jesus also said, I have not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. But to fulfill and it. And he fulfills it. But we, we fulfill it by, by treating everybody as we want to be treated. You know, now, the, the hard part here is if you don't love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're going to have a hard time loving others. So the, one of the first things you got to do is learn to love yourself the way Jesus loves you yeah. and the way God loves you. And that takes some time, and that takes a lot of work, and that takes a lot of practice. Once you, once you accept that love and you realize that you are worthy of it because he created you, yeah. then, then you can love others. And, and in doing so, you will fulfill the Ten Commandments. You're not going to steal from... Ja uh, Jackie, would you steal from Cameron if you loved him? No, because that'd be wrong, <laughs> I wish right? I had a camera on your face right then, because you just looked at him like, "Are you stupid?" No, right. I'm not going to steal from him. Would you Would you lie to him if you loved him? That's a hard one for you, I know. The real Jackie would not, because if you lie to him, are you? You may be sparing his feelings for the moment. But if he, but but you're not doing him any justice. You're not right. you're not loving him and 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 nurturing him the way Jesus would nurture and love you. That's right. That's right. So and all of the commandments fall in the same category. You know, uh, of course, you know. If you love, love your neighbor, are you going to steal their wife or their husband? 
No. Exactly. And if uh, now, and the ones the ones about loving God first, well, that's the first one. That that's covered by the first commandment that He gave us: put God first, and then love others as you love yourself. Verse three, He said, "I testify again, every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to the whole law. If you, if you, I'm going to say it this way: if you." Look at portions of the law and say, I'm going to do that portion right there. Then you have to fulfill the whole law. If you look at, the, if you go back to the Old Testament, if you read Leviticus and you read that law and you say, well, I'm going to follow this law, this law, and not this law, then, um, but these five laws, I'm not going to follow those. You just messed up. Because if you follow these three out of Leviticus, then you have to follow everything out of Leviticus. Okay, so I'm going to say it this way. He, I'm going to say to you, if you choose to follow some of the scripture, you're a debtor to all of the scripture, to all of the scripture. And see, Jesus, Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death. He did not set us free from the law. He set us free from the condemnation. He set us free from the penalty of not following the law. Now, some people will look at that and go, oh, good, now I can do whatever I want. No, that's wrong too. <laughs> in fact, it says in, in verse 1, it says, stand fast. He, you're basically given two commandments. Stand fast in the liberty from all bondage to the law. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage to the law. So I want to I I take you real quick to Matthew chapter 6. Y'all stay right here, but in the scriptures, I want you to go to Matthew on the board. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. I want to show you something. Uh, verse 25. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Dad Hagen, he said it this way. He said... His grandmother was a world champion warrior. His grandmother, or his mother, was also a world champion warrior. Uh, they're just full of it. And he had been well trained to worry all the days of his life. But when he had, after he had his encounter with, going, with experiencing hell, remember he went down to hell three times in one day? And he gave his life to Christ. He, he made this commitment. He said, Lord, he said, if I see it in your word, I'll do it. So whatever the word says, I'm going to do it. So he started reading in the book of Matthew. And he had made this promise to the Lord. And he said, Lord, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. Well, he got down here to, I, be, I believe this is the right verse. I know it's the right chapter. But he got down here to verse 25, and he says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor, what your, uh, nor yet your body, for what it shall put on. Uh, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? And uh, he said, and then you jump over here. To verse 31, he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What will I eat? What will I drink? And, uh, and what should I wear? And what should I wear? Um, verse 32, 
He says, for, he says, for after all these things do the Greeks seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you have need, that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought, therefore, uh, uh, take no thought for, tomor for mor tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things itself sufficient unto the day of evil thereof. So basically, the scripture said, don't worry. And this is what Jesus, this is what Kenneth Hagin there said to the Father. He said, Lord God, he said, you've dealt me a low blow. He said, I told you I'd do anything in your word that your word tells me to do. He says, I see here in the scriptures that you tell me not to worry. But my grandmother was a world champion at worry. My mother was a world champion at worry. I have been well trained in worry. He said, I can't function unless I worry. And now your word tells me to not worry. He said, but I told you, Lord, that I'll do anything that your word tells me not to do or to do, I'll do it. He said, now what do I do? He said, because I can't function. He said, Lord, you blow, you've dealt me a low blow. He could not get past Matthew chapter 6. He worried for more than a month. And he tried to read past it. He tried to read past it. And every time he tried to read past it, the Lord would say, what are you going to do about that worry? And finally, finally, after I think four or six weeks, he finally said, well, Lord, your word tells me not to do it. And I told you that I'll do everything that your word tells me to do. So your word tells me not to worry. So I guess, Lord, I'll not worry anymore. And from that day forward, he chose, worry is a choice, he chose to never worry again. Now, he would, if he was alive today, he'd tell you this. He'd tell you, I have passed up many, many marvelous opportunities to worry, but I never chose, but I always chose not to because the word told me not to do it doesn't mean that situations didn't come that he had the opportunity to worry. He just said, the word told me not to, therefore I choose not to. Not to. Um, I don't know why this keeps coming up. Somebody's got a worry issue. <laughs> Somebody has a worry issue. All right. So it says, for I, in, in, in verse 3, it says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, then it goes on, it says, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. I mean, you know, if he had continued to worry and worry and worry and worry and worry, he would have fallen from grace. Y'all are looking at me like you don't understand this. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians 2, 8. All right. You ready? Okay. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. If you carry worry, this is an example. 
You could do this. This could apply to anything. This could apply to fear. This could apply to addiction. This could apply to anything that you're dealing with in your life. If it came out of your old life, if you hold on to it, if that's your manner of life, if that's the manner of the law that you used to live into, that you used to live under, and you continue to hold on to that, then you're going to fall from the grace that saved you through faith. Because now you're not operating in faith with God, you're operating in faith in Satan. See, if you hold on to those things that you did under Satan, then you're still staying under Satan's rule and Satan's power. So you've got to choose when you recognize these things. When I recognized that profanity was an issue, I had to choose to say, I'm not doing that anymore. When alcohol was an issue, I had to choose to say, I'm not doing that anymore. When uh, pornography was an issue in our household, we had to say, we're not doing that anymore. When we had, yeah, we came, I mean, we came out of some dark places. We came out of some dark places. When we saw, oh, pot's not okay, and now that wasn't me, because uh, thank God, because I would have died. Throw me right out of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> my, whole, my whole family was that way. It was we were known as the party house. Come on. That was just, you know, not something I thankfully got, didn't get into. Thankfully. But how much you know, Had we chosen to stay in those things, the grace of faith, that saving faith, that grace that God gave us to get us to receive Christ would be of no effect. All right. Back to Galatians. All right. <laughs> so, verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you whatsoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. So if so, he's telling these Christians and Jews, Christian Jews, he's telling them, you can't be justified by the law because all of you have fallen short of it. All of you. In fact, he's correcting them here. So they're currently, most of them are in error anyways. Yeah. So he's correcting them. And he's saying, if you're, if you're going to lay your faith in the law, you're going to be lost. Sure. You are fallen from grace, and there is no hope. Because Christ is not working for you. Christ is not working for you. So verse 5, for we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Glory to God. Thanks. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I was trying to find. Oh, there we are. Oh, yeah. Definition of hope. Where are we going? You want me to do it? Yes. Definition of hope is a joyful confidence. A joyful confidence. When you have hope, you have joyful confidence. This would be better translated for though or for through the Spirit, not through our head. Listen to me. Too many people try to do Christ from your head. Stop trying to do Christ from your head. Ask your spirit. I'll get, I'll, this needs to just be your motive. You just, just, somebody, an opportunity comes to you, the first thing you need to say is, hold on, let me check my spirit. Stop checking your brain and start checking your spirit. In fact, let me help you. The brain that you live by is down here, not up here. The brain that we live by is our spirit. He said, for we through the Spirit wait for the, or we wait joyfully and confidently for our righteousness by faith. Yep. How because much do you we know? have faith. 
Let me show you now. I could, if you asked me, Pastor Robbie, set your spirit aside, if I could do that. Pastor, somebody asked me one time, somebody said to me one time, can't you just take off your pastor hat and just be my friend? I said, no. You can't separate me from my calling. You can't. Because, and here's why. They wanted me to pet their, they wanted me to pet their flesh and their emotions, and I wouldn't do it. Uh, How much you know? They expected their friends to pet them. A true friend will always tell you the truth, even if it risks your friendship. Even if it'll risk your friendship, they will always tell you the truth. For for uh, for we through the Spirit joyfully and confidently wait of the righteousness of our faith. If you could separate me from my Spirit and ask me, "Are you righteous?" I would tell you no. If you could, why? Because I see my mistakes better than most people. Better, I mean, yeah, y'all see my mistakes, but I can list them even better than you can. Why? Because I know my failings. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you sure? What did I say? There you go. Okay, just checking. So you know what that means? Hello, do you know what that means? That means you can do the same thing. But here's what you need to know. Here's what you all need to know. Stop asking your head. Stop asking your head. You probably need to write that down in really big print. Stop asking my head if I'm righteous. Because the answer is no. From your head. But now if I ask my spirit, Derek, I'm asking your spirit, are you the righteousness of God? Yes, I am. Big smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. Why? How much you know? Brianna, asking your spirit, are you the righteousness of God? Yeah! Yeah! So, no, 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 no. We don't ask our... Don't ask your head. Your head is stupid. It listens to the devil. All right. So, so on, the, on hope, let's go to Romans 8, verse 22 through 25. Come on. All right. For now... Or, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Glory to God. Even we ourselves groan within, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For yeah, what glory. a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? In other words, once it's in your hand, what's there left to hope for? Come on. Come on. But <laughs> if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Come That's on. where the faith comes in. If you have faith that God loves you and that God's going to do what's best for you, then you will wait till the ends of the earth for him to fulfill it. Notice it said that you're waiting patiently for. Let me let me get the exact the exact wording of it. I turned away from it, but let me let me oh, get right back there. Right there on the wall. Well, I want to get that because you read several verses. Oh yes, okay. Let me get let me get the right verse. Verse twenty three. Ah, twenty three. He said, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. How much you know? You have the first fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness. That's right. The first fruit, who is that? Jesus. 
Come on. Even ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. We're waiting to get to heaven. But I love this. The adoption of our body. He's not talking about, they're not talking about our spirits being righteous because our spirits are righteous. Our spirits are made righteous the moment we receive Jesus Christ. Our mind is made righteous as we renew our mind with the washing of the word. But these physical bodies, they do not walk in righteousness, and they will not walk in righteousness until right before the church is called away, and we all get, and we all put off immortality, I mean, put off mortality, and put on immortality that's the moment that's the part of righteousness that we're all still waiting for is when these physical bodies stop decaying and dying we're waiting we talk about it this way man i can't wait to get my glorified body what is it what is the glorification it's the fact that we go from now here's what you need to understand sinners and non-sinners will all become immortal but the saints will get what will get dressed in the glory of God. We will take on an appearance like like Adam and Eve in the garden. We get to be glorified. We get our robes of righteousness. We get our crowns of glory. We get to put on. That's that glorified. That's what we're moaning and crying for. Why? Because the righteousness of our spirit was done at the, was done when Jesus ascended on high and placed his blood upon the mercy seat of Christ. But this body, how much you know, we're still dealing with it. We're still contending with it. And that's the hope. That's the joyful confidence that we have is, Lord, one day, Lord, one day, all of these, all of these imperfections will become perfections. Lord, one day, I'm not going to be so rainbow of white. One day, you're not going to be such a rainbow of milk chocolate. One day, we're all going to come to that perfect state of bronze in the glory of God. One day, you know, it's not going to, I mean, it's just going to be awesome. Our hair is going to be perfect. Our teeth are going to be perfect. Our bones are going to be strong. We're not going to have any sickness and disease. Anything that was missing is going to come back in. That's what we joyfully and confidently are looking to. Amen. Glory to God. And 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 you say we're we're do, we're looking forward to this with expectation. And you yes. also said, and we can't, you said several times we can't wait. But yeah. one thing the scripture keeps saying is patience. Yeah. It says yeah. we will do this with patience. 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 Because you know we're to run our race here on the earth before all this happens. Yeah, that's true. He's true. He's 100% right. Yes, we're excited. We're looking for it. We've got that can't wait expectation. But we're also going to go, oh, Jesus, well, however long it takes, it takes. We've got a harvest to take care of. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. We got, we got, come on, we got a work to do. We cannot. When somebody says, man, I wish Jesus would hurry up and get here, ask, next time you hear somebody say that, I just double-dog dare you. Look them square in the eye and say, who are you laboring for? Who are you laboring for? Don't you know the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for laborers? Come on. Who, why are you in such a big hurry to go? Are all your family saved? Right. Exactly what I was thinking. Is everybody you love, care about, and, or profess to care about and love, or is every one of them saved? Or all, are you convinced mightily that every single one of them is going to heaven? 
Because if they're not, you better slow down the Jesus bus. Yep, slow your roll. <laughs> you better slow that bus down. You better say, Jesus, put on the brakes. We ain't ready. Come on. And now all you have to do is look around and know that there's not a person in here who can say that confidently about everyone they, they love and care about. I can't say it. That's for darn sure. In fact, I'm confident. Let me just be real bold and real blunt. I'm confident that most of the people that I love and care about are headed to hell. Seriously. Seriously. Oh, it just got real quiet in this Pentecostal house. Yeah, it did. It just got real quiet in this Pentecostal house. Come on, read the scriptures. Does your friend, does your family, do they have a mental assent or do they have a heart knowledge? Come on. Are they are they proclaiming to live are they proclaiming to live for Christ or but yet they're living they say oh I got Jesus I'm headed for heaven but they're living verse 19 20 and 21 they're living adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft mm-hmm. hatred variance emotions wrath strife seditions heresies envyings murders drunkenness revelings and such like you're jumping because ahead to next he week. said. He said, if that's the way you're living, Christian, you don't make heaven. I got news for you. A very large percentage of my loved ones, according to those verses right there, aren't qualified. And those are all in in chapter 5 of what we're studying. We probably won't get to those tonight. We're not getting to them tonight because we got one more verse. But we are going to get to them. Listen, the Holy Ghost, listen, the Holy Ghost, listen, God is upset about this, y'all. God is upset about this. We think, we think, oh, Jesus loves everybody. Listen, I grew up with the Episcopal Church, Jesus loves everybody, and I'm ashamed of what that denomination has become because, say, because they've taken one doctrine and they've gotten so far into the ditch that Satan is the head of their church now. Yeah, I just said it publicly. Well, and, Under you know, the unction of the Holy Ghost. Jesus does love everybody. He so loves He doesn't the love everybody's sin. No. And, you, and there is a difference. You cannot look me in the eye and tell me that if I don't love your sin, I don't love you. Because you're wrong. No, I love you <laughs> to the point that if you want to get set free from the works of Satan, come in here. We'll get you set free. If you want to be set free, you can be set free. What verse are we on? Verse 6. Verse 6. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right. So we did, we, we've, we've determined that faith works by love, right? So verse 6 confirms this. For Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. So then we go back to, to, to uh, Paul there. You know, he wasn't telling us that we shouldn't get circumcised. Well, he, he wasn't telling us that we couldn't get circumcised. He was telling us it doesn't make any difference. And that's what it says right here. Now he's talking about the Spirit again. But faith, which worketh by love, that's what makes a difference. Right. So, and, and, and we, just, we went through one scripture in Romans that talks about faith and love. And now there's another one, 1 Thessalonians. Yes, come on, 1 Thessalonians Chapter 1, 1 verse 3 says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. So again, we're talking patience, we're talking love, and we're talking faith. They all go together. Here, what do you mean my faith works by love? 
if you love God with everything in you, your faith will work. And you and, and your faith comes in the knowledge that God loves you. That's right. And when you, you know, know and if God you... loves you and He's the Father of everything, He's gonna want what's best for you. He's gonna want good things for you. Even if you think at the moment that, God, what do you mean I can't go see that rated R movie? Every all my friends are going and it's just terrible that I can't go. He doesn't want you to go because it's good for you not to go. That's right. That's right. When you understand how much the Father loves you, you have an expectation. Your faith level goes through the roof. When you understand that God loves you so much that everything that is in heaven belongs to you because he loves you like a child, all of a sudden you start to pray with some confidence. You know, instead of, you know, when you understand how much God loves you, you stop going, but am I worthy? You start going, God, I qualify. God, I'm a child. God, I'm seated on the right hand. I'm seated at your right hand in Jesus' lap. And what Jesus has, I have, and therefore it's mine. And I will take my deposit, I will take my withdrawal right now, Jesus. When you understand that God loves you so much that he made it so that no sickness can reside in your body, you will stand up in that love and you will say, sickness, get out and don't come back. Where when you don't understand that Jesus loves you, you'll go, well, I know God can heal me, but I don't feel like I'm worthy to be healed, so I'll just hold on to my sickness. No, 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 come on. But when come you on. have the boldness and the confidence that you know that God loves you and wants the best for you and he wants you to be healed, that's the very definition of faith. Glory to God. Knowing that God loves you and knowing that he wants the best for you and knowing that he's going to do all that he promised, that's faith. Without that, what are we doing here? Come on. Verse 7. All right. Ye did run well. Going back to that race. Right. We're running a race. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? He's talking to these, these people in the Galatian church. He's saying, who's hindering you? That, that you, because you were running your race well, you were doing great, and now all of a sudden you're backslidden, and you're and you're and you're going back to the you're going back to the old laws, the the Jewish laws, and 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 who did this to you? Let's 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 do it this way. Let's do it this way. You did run well. Once upon a time, you were reading your scriptures every day. Once upon a time, you were doing your in hymns every day. Once upon a time, you could quote the word. Backwards and forwards. Once upon a time, you'd get up early and get in your prayer closet. You got so sensitive to the Holy Ghost, you didn't even need an alarm clock anymore. Once upon a time, you were speaking You were speaking by the Holy Ghost. You're sitting there doing your job, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost just went, and you went, ah! I mean, you were working the Holy Ghost. I should say the Holy Ghost was working through you. The Holy Ghost was using you. You were so abiding. You were abiding in the Word. You were talking to people. You were going, man, I didn't even know I know that. And then all of the sudden, you're listening. All you would listen to is Christian music. And you were picky about that. But all of the sudden, you had, you had an emotional day. And you put on that worldly music. You sat down with some friends that wanted to watch something that you had already told yourself you can't watch that. But, that, but you wanted to be part of the group. 
all of the sudden you go out life was good you had the money you had the house you had the car you didn't need jesus quite so desperately so now you're not spending so much time in the word and now as he said you were running well he said, church, you were doing good. He said, church, y'all were on fire. Church, you were reaching people who did hinder you. Did you hinder yourself? Did Satan hinder you? Or did the people around you hinder you? What you what, what, was the, the music that you listened to hinder you? Was it the TV shows that you listened to? Did social media hinder you? Did the need to be accepted by the world hinder you? Come on. Now let's go back to the, the, first, the first verse in chapter 5. Who hindered you, right? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. The first thing he told us in this chapter is stand fast. Wow. Don't back down. Don't listen to the others. Don't listen to them telling you it's okay to sin. Don't listen to them. Come on. That's what he said. So now over in chapter 3, again, in verse 1, it says, Foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? The Galatians, some of them were there when Christ was crucified. There was people in that church that were still alive that were there when Christ was crucified and that Paul was preaching to. And yet they had fallen away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go back to verse to chapter one in verse six. It says, "I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel." Meaning, you've fallen away from the true gospel, and you're listening to these other people that are telling you, "Hey, no, you need to go back to the Jewish ways." You need to go back to be. You need to go back to how you were before you served God. You need to go, you need to be, you, you, you want to be accepted. You need to be like us, like the world. Come on, stop listening to those people. They're going to take you, they're going to drag you into hell. Don't listen to them people. Come on. Come on. <laughs> that, that's funny. I'm not going to talk about that. Yes, let's funny. not. <laughs> verse 8. Oh, verse 8. Okay. Uh, and then where am I? Oh, I'm in Hebrews. Oh, well, I'll read verse 8 while you get to Galatians. This persuasion... This persuasion, this thing that convinced you to change, this persuasion, that word cometh is italicized. I'm going to read it without it. This persuasion, not of him that calleth you. This thing that hindered you did not come from God. So many people will say, well, I just, especially one thing that hinders people. I got young people. I got single people in the house. Somebody talk to my single people. If the person you're believing for as a spouse and somebody, a boy, a boy comes into a girl's life, a girl comes into a boy's life. Let's be very clear about who gets who. Girls get boys, boys get girls. Let's be very clear. But only one. But only one. <laughs> only one. Come on. Now, when they come into your life, if they're going to pull you away from God, they are not sent to you by God. That's for sure. In other words, if they don't love God with all their heart, they're not from God. We're going. If they don't believe, if they don't put, if they don't put their church time first, they're not from God. If they don't believe the way you believe, they're not from God. If they say, "Oh, I believe in Jesus," but they're smoking, dipping, sexing, snoring, poking, tooping, whatever, guess what? They are not. 
on God. And this goes right back to the unequally yoked. If you're unequally yoked with a sinner, that sinner's going to drag you all over the place to places you don't want to be. And, that, and you will get, become stuck there with him because you are yoked. You are tied to that person. Oh, Lord, I'm lonely. I need some friends. A friend shows up. Somebody says, hey, we connect. Hey, we got some things in common. Don't you dare make that person your BFF until you find out how much they love Jesus. Just because they say, oh, I go to church. That ain't enough. You better find out what church they go to. You, be, you might even want to go meet with their pastor. <laughs> I mean, people, listen. I'm being a little extreme. You understand that. Don't go sit down with their pastors. I've, I've been to church with people that have sat in the pews for 30 years and still weren't walking in love. That's right. Come on. Do they really know Jesus? Come on. If they're not walking in love? The devil will oblige your prayers. You better watch yourself. Verse 9, this is a verse we're, li- we're leaving off, we're stopping at. <laughs> well, at least we made it that far. That's about where I figured we were going to get. Yep. All right. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. All right. So we, what's leaven? You, know, you want me? Let me let me explain what leaven. I is. I knew you was ready. Let me explain you what leaven is. Leaven is what we refer to as yeast. Now you can go to the gro- if you want to make bread. You can go to the grocery store and you can either get it in a little bottle or you can get it in a little package and it looks like little brown sticks, about all it looks like, and they get, and it looks like they kind of get a little static, you know, they'll kind of cling to some things. But in Jesus' day, they didn't have that. How they would get leaven is they would take their bread and they take their flour and they would put it in these certain types of pots, probably terracotta type pots, and believe it or not, they would set them outside. Because... Leaven or yeast are in the atmosphere. I have done this to make a, to make yeast bread. You set it outside. Now, when you set it outside, you only set it out there. It's got to be a dry, sunny day, and there's certain things you got to do because if you put it out in the wrong weather, you will actually get the wrong kind of yeast. And and how you know if you get the right yeast or the wrong yeast is that when the yeast by the way another, another name for yeast is bacteria. Yeah. The bacteria, when this bacteria gets in that flour and, and that, that moistened flour, might have a little salt in it or sugar in it, when it gets in there, it starts, those microorganisms start eating the flour. Well, when they start eating the flour, they start peeing and pooping in the flour mixture, and it causes a liquid to come to the surface. If this liquid comes to the surface and this liquid is pink, it's the wrong type of bacteria, and the entire, everything in that canister is waste. It's no good. Not at all. Okay? If it stays perfectly clear or a little bit milky white, you have the right kind of yeast. And then you have to take it in and you have to treat it. But if any time it turns pink, you have to throw out the whole thing. Why? Because these bacteria affect the whole batch. Now, what you need to understand is he was talking primarily to Jews. Jews, because of the law, always ate unleavened bread. They had to eat, they, their bread could, had to be made before any bacteria got in the bread. So when he said, do you not know that a little leaven, a little bacteria, makes the entire bread batch of no use? 
of no use. And how, what causes the bacteria? The environment. The environment. So let me ask you this, Christians. Do you not know that the environment that you put yourself in can make your bread or it can rot your bread? They can rot your life. Your environment matters. This is why the scriptures say again and again and again, not to have fellowship with fellow Christians that live sinfully. Because what will happen is you will begin to see, because this is how the devil works, you'll see your fellow Christian sinning and Satan is leaving them alone. It looks like the blessings of God are still flowing. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no poverty. They're Everything prospering. is working fantastic. Everything's working good. And so then the devil comes along and he whispers to you, they can sin and I leave them alone. You can sin and I'll leave you alone. And you it's begin amazing, to amazing think how that. the devil's tactics never change, isn't it? What did he say to to Eve, he says, oh, you can eat of that fruit. It won't hurt you. It'll be okay. You see? Look, You'll see things more clearly. You, you touched the tree and nothing happened to you, so obviously you can eat it too. I just, I'm sorry. Jesus talks to me about some funny things. How much, you know, uh, how much, you know, that serpent said, you'll see things more clearly. You'll see good and evil. Do you know that there are Christians that will smoke the wacky weed and say, you need to smoke the wacky weed so you can get more revelation. You will understand the word better. It will make you more sensitive to the spirit realm. Oh, yeah, baby, it will make you more spirit, more, more sensitive to the spirit realm, all right, just the wrong one. Come on. <laughs> we don't, no, 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 no. Don't you know a little leaven? Leaven is the whole lump. And Michael, a, we were talking about a, this. And a little sin or a little false doctrine, you know, it starts out as innocent and looks like everything's still good. But then that little bit of rot is started on the inside and that grows. And as it grows, more and more sin comes out. And, and, and you know, and the, the Bible says that what comes out of you is what's on the inside of you. So you can you can recognize a Christian by his fruits. The fruits are what comes out of him. So he was, he was studying Galatians. I said, what are you studying? He said, well, I'm looking at this whole leaven thing. I said, oh, you don't do much baking and cooking. Let me talk to you about it. So we were talking about it and explaining it. We were talking about bread and all this. And he got to thinking about it. And he said, you know, honey, he said, really? He said, what that, what that yeast does is it, is it gets in there and it causes that bread, that dough, to begin to rot. Yep, ferment, ferment, which is another word for which is decomposing word for or rot. rotting. He said, he sat there and he thought about it a little while. He said, you know. But the bread does taste better. Said, but that bread tastes good. He said, you know that. He said that rotting process, that fermenting process, that rotting process, he said that makes the bread more palatable. Pa pa it's also the exact same way they make beer. Yeah, palatable. <laughs> it makes it taste better he said it even gives it a better texture i said that's what sin does sin is it's, people call sin the spice of life it makes life a little more tasty it makes life a little more fun it makes it a little more paddleable say that word for me 
palatable? Thank you. <laughs> it makes it a little better, but it will also eventually take you to hell. Don't you know, a little leaven leaven the whole lump. Come on, don't let no leaven in your life. You need to be you like know, a Jew. You need to protect your dough we used from to love all teaching that this, bacteria. We used to love teaching this in, in, in children's church. Oh, yeah. Because we would set up, and, and Derek probably remembers this, but we would set up a table and we'd start making some brownies. Mm-hmm. And we'd be mixing the brownies and and. and, and and then, oh, and then we got these little pellets over here. What are those pellets? Oh, it's just some rabbit poop I found out in the yard. Oh yeah, they want the they want the batter right up until the rabbit. Yeah, they're poop they're comes they're, out. they're sitting there they're look, smelling that batter and they're like, ooh, I want some. Let me can lick I the spoon. Like it? Let can me, I oh, it? here, let me throw this little this one little rabbit turd in here. Okay, do you still want it? No, you don't want. Why don't you want it? It still tastes good. I bet that little rabbit turd's not even in that spoonful. <laughs> Just the idea of the rabbit turd was enough to turn it off. But it's, the idea of a little bit of sin, we go, ooh, Jesus, you won't mind, will you? No, you better treat that sin the same way as you treat that rabbit poop. Come on, come on, come on. Well, glory to God, we made it through nine verses. Woo-hoo, we only got, we only got 15 more to go. Woo! Well, I, only, I only spent like, what, three or four hours the other day uh, stu- studying, yeah, and, studying, and as far as we got was verse 9. <laughs> yeah, yeah. come on. How much do you know? God's good. You, listen, God packs. I always think about, when I sit down and I study the word, I always think about what Ken Hagen said to Jesus in a vision. Uh, he said, because he was talking to him about authority, and Jesus told him, he said, I gave you authority. It's in my word, and, and I'm just summing it up. And uh, Kenneth Hagen looked at Jesus, and he said, Dear Lord Jesus, he said, I don't mean to be disrespectful or anything. He said, but you know I'm a stickler of the word. He said, uh, but if what you're telling him, he said, I see you plain as day. I can, he said, I can see you right in front of me. He said, but you know, I'm a stickler for the word. And unless, I, unless you can show it to me in two or three places in the word, I'm not going to believe it. And Jesus said, oh, I can do that. And he said, well, Lord, I don't mean to be any disrespect at all. He said, but if it's in there, or he said, he said Lord Jesus, I have read the New Testament through a minimum of 150 times. And portions of it more than that. And if it's in there anywhere, I sure don't know it. And this was Jesus' response, according to Kenneth Hagin. He said that Jesus smiled at him sweetly and said, Son, there's a lot in there that you don't know. And at this point, he had been reading the Bible since he was 16 years old, and he was well into his, almost 60 years old. And he told him, he said, there's a lot in there, son, that you don't know. How much do you know? How much do you know? There's a lot in this book that we don't know. You got to look at all those little details. Mysteries, mysteries. But the mysteries are there for them to be revealed for those who will seek them. I think you better pray. Okay. I'm not going to hush. <laughs> I, lo- I love these books. Yep. They're some of my I'm favorites. enjoying it myself. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you revealed yourself to us and that you're helping us to draw closer to you and to see how just how a Christian should act. That This chapter really shows how a Christian is supposed to live and act and, and how to be a good Christian. And, Lord, we ask that you reveal all of those mysteries to us no matter how long it takes. And that, that you reveal yourself to us and that, you, that that falls on good ground and that it grows in our lives. And that we meditate on these, these thoughts and, and these, these words that they, that they will grow and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Because, Lord, we should never 
keep this word to ourselves. We should always share it because it shows your love when we share it with others because we're, we're trying to get them saved so Thank that they Lord. won't have to, to be in eternity in, in hell. And if you love Thank someone, you don't Thank want them to go to hell. Thank you, Father. So, Lord, just help us to, be, to stand fast, to be courageous, to be strong, and to share your word. Lord, we just love you, and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we, we give unto your kingdom. We give with a grateful heart and a joyous heart because how, of how much you love us and how much we know that you love us and how confident we are that you love us. and We love you. And we want to see that work done here on earth, so we give into your kingdom. Lord, we just ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And Lord, we, we just love you, and we thank you. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is the name above all names, and he's above your name. So you are bound in the name of Jesus, and you cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We are... We will stand fast we against stand. you. We do stand. Yes, in Jesus' you, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that your word is working and your word is ever true. In Jesus' mighty name, you serve the people. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Well, again, thank you for everyone that did come help and decorate and ate up all that pizza. I was kind of stressing. We had a lot left.